Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. I think, yeah, it just comes back to like having these conversations about the bigger questions about what development actually means and what sustainability looks like in different places. You know, like we have the UN, you know, putting out all of these resolutions and kind of goals, yet still the countries must, like they have to determine their own contributions for different climate actions. Like talk about like the Paris Accords, like, you know, it can't just come from policy. There has to be this, you know, from the people as well, this motivation that countries recognize, and then it has to influence kind of the private sector markets. And, you know, it's very complicated and you don't know where to begin. SDG Talkers in the house, welcome back. What a conversation we have today with Ella Sangri and Isabel Seckler. We're gonna hear about their journey to Columbia University and how they helped form the Sustainable Development Solution SDSN network at Columbia University, the first in North America. This platform is meant to help us to get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations and allowing us to connect the dots between people from kindergarten to 12th grade to 80 years old to learn about how we can learn from peer to peer and communicate complex messages in new ways and have this SDG 1 through 17 lens on everything and really forcing this intersectional approach to every aspects of sustainable development. You're going to learn a lot. I left inspired hearing and learning from these two amazing young females. It's going to be a great conversation and I hope you enjoy listening. Keep on SDG talking. Ella and Isabel, welcome to the SDG Talks podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing really great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Great to be speaking with you guys today. Really excited. You as well. So where in the world are Ella and Isabel today? Right now I'm in Northern Virginia, right outside DC. It's pretty nice out today. Right now I'm in New York City on the Upper West Side. Just living that remote school COVID life, I take it. Yep. It's been nice to be at home this semester. It is nice. I'm definitely real. I think I put my desk in every single possible position in my room <laughs> to try and switch things up. <laughs> I mean, you got you, you got to prevent going insane when sometimes it's different perspectives and even just different lighting uh, can, yeah. to really make a difference. Yeah, yeah th- throwing a candle in one day is not a, <laughs> is not so strange these days. But no, hey, whatever we can do. I mean, that's a that's been a big thing of. 2020 of how do we how do we adapt and how do we move on and I've been really impressed and inspired by a lot of the work that both of you do and and for those of us that that aren't familiar with both of you I'd love to hear some of the background on sort of who both of you are just a quick snippet and then and tell us about the work that you're doing and how kind of the SDG Students Hub came to fruition at Columbia and Ella or Isabel when you two want to start sure um Maybe I'll just say quickly, Elle and I are both sophomores in Columbia College at Columbia University here in New York City, even though we're not at school right now. I'm from South Florida, so that's home for me. I've been really influenced by living in a coastal community and kind of getting to know my local ecosystem. I grew up volunteering at like a local nature center, and so I got really into environmental stewardship and education with learning how to show other people, you know, how they're part of this ecosystem and what it really means to live in a coastal community, how the environment affects us and how what we do influences it as well. So transitioning from that to Columbia, New York City was a big change. 
but I've I've really seen a lot of the parallels and connections between what it means to communicate and show people just place-based understanding of where you live and kind of how that influences your life. Definitely. So I'm originally from El Paso, Texas, which is a big shift from where I live now, right outside DC. That shift definitely really gave me an interesting perspective growing up in terms of my education because the changes in the education I got definitely was were pretty big as I moved. And moving to Northern Virginia and being in such a political climate and being in a place where there's so many different people coming to you, it's a very, very diverse place where I live. And that really set me up to have a very interesting background, both in like the things I was learning, but also how I viewed kind of the people around me and coming into Columbia. I think that I really came in with a STEM focused mindset, but Columbia even pushed this kind of diversity and like of thinking even more from where I moved to Texas to Virginia to now. And that really set me up to transition from wanting to study STEM to really understanding how sustainable development is really just such an interesting place for me to kind of set myself up and integrate my background into what I want to do in the future. That's fantastic. And I, I love both of your, your context there. And, and particularly, um, Isabel, you talked about the, the local geographical context. I mean, one, you, Isabel, you coming from Florida, Ella, you coming from Texas, and just the difference between just those two states and where you live now. And, and that's just, we're just talking about North America. And in, even within North America, there's you know 50 plus states, as well as just all the different nuances within each state. And, and then our relationship with development and relationship with the earth is, is, is such an interconnected relationship that is maybe it seemed maybe complicated or easy depending on who you're talking to but it's sort of uh, just something that we need to talk about more and something we need to to for, kind of break down barriers to talk about what is sustainable development you know what are from sdg 1 to 17 what does it even mean and then how can you actually take action on it so within your roles how have you taken that kind of the unknown and even the excitement of the SDGs and put it into context and how it could be, you know, applied to action or applied to a community within the, the school in Columbia that you're in. Definitely. So I can kind of go into how the SDG students have kind of came to fruition at Columbia. Isabel had a huge role in it really happening. And I really um, just want to speak to her initiative in making this happen. But pretty much this summer, I decided the internship I did this summer surrounding clean energy and really set me up for kind of understanding where I want to go with sustainable development. Because from that, I really understood that um, my interest in STEM and my interest in clean energy wasn't just involved in science and the kind of the very like STEM background that I have, but also really involved bringing in political and socioeconomic factors. And from that, I kind of realized that I really want to start a sustainable development initiative at Columbia that encompassed a more intersectional approach to how we deal with these issues. And so I came to Isabel because I knew she was, I barely knew her. And we, I knew that we were both, however, majoring sustainable development. I came there and I said, like, I want to start something at Columbia. What can we do? And Isabel can go more into her role at SDSNU than her, um, role in starting this but we basically I came to her and she gave me this great opportunity and from there we've really been able to set up as you students up but I'll let her go more into what her role is. Sure thanks Ella. So maybe I can just give a brief background of kind of how I got involved with SDSN Sustainable Development Solutions Network Youth Initiative. Um, so coming to Columbia I had no idea what the term sustainable development was. It was just a, a major that looked like a mix of all different subjects. It like wasn't even one department. It pulls from so many different departments. And coming into school, I had really, I was pre-medicine because I was interested in, you know, the intersection of climate and health, really interested in kind of understanding 
how the world works, how we work, how different things influence our health, but also kind of the broader lens of that, you know, how does policy affect that? How does our social context kind of influence what we are accessible to in life? And so understanding this kind of, it became what I thought was environmental policy. So coming to Columbia, I was like, all right, how do I take this intersectional, intersectional area that I'm interested in kind of build a pathway in school? Thankfully, I went to a school that has possibly one of the greatest programs in not only climate science, but climate science in context with society. And to me, that's really what sustainable development is. It's kind of how it's first a study of kind of people, planet, and profits. That's like the triple bottom line that a lot of times sustainable development gets kind of filed under. But really what that sustainable development has also been kind of a principle or a framework for how you kind of approach all of these different complex factors that might influence the way we live or the way we interact with each other. And I felt that coming to Columbia, finding this intersection, pulling from so many different parts, it was kind of daunting and like you kind of get lost in that. And so I really looked for a community where I could find, you know, other students interested in this or professors who would be able to, you know, I could see an example of what it, what it is like to kind of pull from so many different areas to learn pretty much everything, but also really specific things that will help you make an impact in people's lives and also protecting the planet. So I felt that this community wasn't kind of existing at Columbia, despite all of the high level research going on and high level administrative support for this kind of work. So also with being pre-med, I couldn't take a lot of the sustainable development program classes. So I really pushed myself to look outside of school and outside of courses to how I can kind of supplement that side of my education. And I came across SDSN Youth, which I just spent so many weeks trying to email people, finding who I can talk to, who I can get involved with. Eventually, I found someone and I ended up being a project officer for the SDG Students Program, one of their initiatives specifically targeted for higher education around the world and kind of helping students in undergraduate and graduate, no matter what area of study, no matter what their goals are or what aspect of sustainable development is most important to them or what they're most passionate about, be able to become sustainability-minded professionals and carry these lessons and principles with them throughout their lives. Part of sustainable development is also being able to communicate and work with other people who come from different backgrounds and different fields. So from there, I've been working with their global team, helping grow kind of a, a network of over 70 hubs in countries around the world. But while I was doing this, I still felt like there wasn't a source of community at Columbia. And I was the only American on this team. There was no hub in America. And I found this really, really odd. And so this summer, after a few months of working with SDSN Youth, it was the perfect opportunity to kind of bring SDSN back to, to my community. And Ella happened to reach out to me at the perfect time. I knew she was interested in sustainable development. And since about August, we have just, you know, gone into hyperdrive of how we can engage with other students with this, how we can build a landscape both locally at Columbia's campus, but also globally with this larger network. 
Love that. And I can also get some action. The, the first time meeting, it's like, do we just become best friends? And I've had that kind of experience where you just Definitely. immediately jive with people. But there's, there's sometimes you have the people where they're all, you know, connecting on like-minded sustainability. But I like the idea too of, while there's a great high-level research program, I mean, I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison and there's a lot of touting of high-level research and that's great. But what about the everyday student and the everyday person and you need to do that you need community and i like the idea of building these these kind of monthly webinars that you've been doing and, and, and some of these other initiatives to i think the most important thing how can you have a sustainability lens that you look through every single cross intersectional issue and approach it from all 17 sdgs and i think that's to me what i'm most impressed about and inspired about because we need to be thinking about these sdgs from multiple contexts so within now that now that you've got this hub and now that you've got this community development, what does that mean now? And what does it what does it look like today? And, and you know we're approaching the end of twenty twenty. And what does it look like moving forward about kind of you know taking this hyperdrive and putting it to you know extra supersonic hyperdrive with the awareness on SDGs? Definitely. So the overall kind of goal of the SG Students Program itself is to educate, act, and engage on the 17 SDGs. So that's the framework that the program gives you. But the really nice thing about this program is that since it's so global and there's so many different hubs in different areas, they really give a lot of freedom to the university's hubs to do as much as they can and do as different things as possible to find out what's best suited for the students of the university. So coming into this, I really knew that I wanted to, this hub to act as an umbrella for Columbia. Because as I said, I came to Izzy this summer because I was kind of frustrated with kind of the narrow scope of sustainability groups that were pretty prevalent on campus. And it felt in a way sort of gatekeeped by very environmentalism that was like, students really didn't understand the breadth of like the importance. So there's, there's a lot of awesome groups on campus, but I really wanted to create an umbrella where students, no matter what they were studying or what they were passionate, could find a way to integrate sustainability into their education. So with that, we really were adamant this summer and coming into the fall about doing as much outreach as possible with both undergraduate groups, graduate groups, and other entities under Columbia, as well as external entities, whether there's NGOs or other companies, because I think it's really important that we kind of bring in the conversation between the fantastic graduate programs that Columbia has really centered on sustainability, as well as the undergraduate groups that are focused in topics that a lot of students don't know apply to the 17 SDGs. There's a ton of professional development groups on campus, whether it's politics, whether it's econ, whether it's environmentalism, there's so many different entities. And I think that this hub is doing a really great job to bring these groups together and to give students ways to integrate this intersectional thinking about what the SDGs are into what they're majoring in and what they want to do professionally. So with that, we've really, we're creating mentorship opportunities for students, no matter what they're studying, to work with graduate students that have specific expertise in sustainability. We're really trying to push just multidisciplinary perspectives. We're creating educational opportunities as well as action events in New York City. For instance, right now we're doing a partnership with the Center for Sustainable Development at Columbia, where they're working on educational opportunities and bringing this thinking to K-12 students in the New York City um, tri-state area. And this kind of speaks to how adamant the Columbia community is in wanting to integrate sustainability because the nice thing is, is we've done all this cold outreach. We've, I've reached out to probably 40 different groups on campus at least by now, and everyone has given me a positive response for the most part. And I think this really speaks to everyone at our university is ready to take action. It's just finding a way to bring these groups together and to give students the opportunity to take these challenges, take these risks, and find these perspectives that they might not have thought of before. 
Right. And I, just going off that, Ella, I think a lot of this, it all just stems from, you know, setting up a conversation and, you know, discussing these things with other students and topics that might not come up in your daily education, no matter what you're studying. Just as a bit of background, we had about 40 students come to our first meeting over Zoom. And, you know, typically, you know, clubs run on college campuses, they don't get that many people. It's just so difficult logistically to work things in person. So it's been really interesting to see how, you know, this virtual learning has translated quite well into starting up a, a club as far as campus outreach. And it's been really cool to see, you know, in the name of, in the goal of engaging with the SDGs and learning about sustainable development, you inherently have to practice what it means to, you know, like have accessibility to education, have an intergenerational conversation about these things to bring in different perspectives. So it's, a, it's both a practice and again, like a, a goal which has been really exciting to see. Maybe I can also just say some of the other activities that we've been really getting into and encouraging our other students to do. So pulling from my experiences and Ella's experiences as well, we recently had a screening with some UN scientists who are trying to work on this new campaign for science communication. And so we had, it was supposed to be like a, a brief, very brief Zoom call kind of reviewing these slides about climate science and very hard data and how students best receive that. And we ended up having a two-hour conversation with an Oscar-winning director about the students' perspectives on development and what it means for their politicians to recognize activism or the goals or, or the injustices that's happening in day-to-day -day life, which it was just so fascinating. And you know what? There are those moments that really remind you about why you're doing this. I think it's also important to be aware of like online learning and like Zoom fatigue. But those moments like really remind you of your purpose and, and the impact that you're feeling, even if you can't directly be with people. Yeah, that's awesome. And a, 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 lot, of, a lot of things I want to run here with, but one I really liked is the, di the idea of learning from others and learning from other people where I myself, I was a just an eternal B student. I wasn't very good in classes. I wasn't very good at tests. I, I hate having to read a textbook and things of that nature, but still often, you know, it's like, hey, here's a textbook, read it and memorize it. But like, it's not real learning. And I think there's so much real learning that happens from I'm learning from you now. And, and there's times where just forcing conversations and getting to points where maybe you're having slightly uncomfortable conversations about sustainability or about access to education, access to, to fashion, to, to tourism, to, to water, to food, all those things. It could be uncomfortable, but I think it's good to get to a point of being uncomfortable and, and having those conversations. So tell me about sort of that learning peer-to-peer -peer dynamic within the community and how are you approaching that to, to scale it, not just within the, the confines of your Columbia group and the, the virtual group, but also, you know, now with the virtual environment, how do you, how can we break down these walls and, and, and scale that kind of peer-to-peer -peer learning around the country and around the world? So with my work with SDS and youth, that was actually one of the kind of biggest gaps that I was seeing and what it means to create a youth network around this. So with our different hubs around the world. Each hub kind of has a, a club president, basically, or a society president. And we call them SDG coordinators at each of these university hubs. And I started a program called One Hub, which basically is a platform for all of the coordinators from different countries to kind of connect and talk about the things that they're passionate about. You know, like I just did a baseline survey about what people are interested, what SDGs their favorite, what they want to do. 
kind of set up groups based on that, specifically being aware of, you know, putting people from different countries and different regions together. And the conversations and kind of the support groups that have come from that have just been so fascinating to see. I know Ella, Ella's been in one of them for the past few weeks as well. Now I can kind of speak to my personal experience. So I am the senior coordinator for the hub. I just wanted to clarify that, but it's really been, so I'm in a group with some people from Mexico and Canada. And although we're on the same continent, it's really been fascinating kind of seeing how incredibly different our universities are and how these students have just like grown up an entirely different kind of path of education in a way. And I've just gotten like the greatest advice from these. And they're also new coordinators at these universities too. This is my first year. And we've just created such interesting conversations based on like what's working at our universities, what's is, what isn't. We're all in urban universities. And I think that's been a really interesting perspective to see what challenges students at our universities find most pertinent. And we've had really interesting conversations about how the differences in our experience can play into how we create impact in our most immediate community. And I just like this program that Izzy created is so great. And with that, I think it really plays into what we want to do with this hub and how we really want to create these conversations and give students as much background and diverse thinking as possible going into the hub and kind of forming and how we create our events and programs. So give me some specific examples. I mean, within, uh, you, you just gave some context on learning from best practices, good and bad based on backgrounds and local geography. But let's say getting into a specific SDG niche, I mean, aspects of climate change or aspects of access to education. How does a program work? And then let's say if, if people were wanting to, to get involved to present an idea, what does that look like? Sure. So, so for example, with SDSNU specifically, we have kind of like an online workspace, like a forum where people just post kind of the events they're running with links if anyone else wants to join. So there's been events on like mental health, climate action and youth activism, so many different aspects. You know, some of our coordinators are studying like very niche topics as well, like electrical engineering or medicine as well. And so we're kind of trying to create more of a connection for students coming from the same area studies, but in totally different environments. So that's been really big. I think like, like Ella was mentioning, the, the collaborations have also just been a big support group. So kind of like how you approach being a leader and what it means to kind of work with other people well, that's been a very big source of kind of this connection. Yeah. And going back to kind of the framework that I want to have is kind of an umbrella over Columbia with the way that we've been able to create these collaborations and kind of relationships with other groups on campus. We've really been able to push out events from other groups that have gotten a lot of interest and success from hub members. But so we don't want to kind of, again, we don't want to separate ourselves. We don't want to reinvent the wheel in terms of creating another sustainability group on campus because there are so many. Our goal is to really bring everyone together and provide these opportunities for students to come from other groups and to go from our group to other groups. Again, kind of aligning students' interests with the SDGs. So for instance, there's an event coming up, I believe today actually, about women and sustainability. There's um, been a lot of interest in this business group on campus that um, one of our exec members on the team has been able to push out and had a lot of success from. So again, I just think that kind of not we, we didn't want to kind of take the stance that, oh, we're this like really cool group on campus and we're going to like create our own thing and it's going to be this and that. Instead, I was trying to think about how can we bring in all these great entities on campus and all these really passionate students and just align their interests with this framework of the 17 SDGs. I think that also speaks to like in, in sustainable development, you don't need to come up with a novel solution a lot of times. Like a lot of the effective ways to kind of make a change 
just come from, you know, working with already exists and kind of building off each other. I love that. I'm a big believer in that. You don't need to build the next Facebook or build this crazy widget to all of a sudden make an impact. I mean, there's a lot of ways where you can repurpose an existing product or service and make it available in a new way to a new market. There's a way where you can leverage the internet in a way that hasn't been used before to provide something to, to those who didn't need it. Or something that I think a lot about recently is indigenous practices and, and kind of building and working with mother earth. And I know like biomimicry is a big, a big field that, that we're hearing and seeing about what like within some of those just like simple ways to work, to, to, to show impact, you know, again, don't need to reinvent the wheel, but from working with the earth to leveraging the internet, what are some things that come to mind when you think about ways that, uh, Again, people can start thinking and, and aspiring to make change towards the SDGs. Sure. Uh, maybe I could just jump in here for a second. I'm so happy that you brought up biomimicry because that has something that I got involved with also in my freshman year of school, building off an interest in that I got just from watching like a YouTube video, understanding what it means to be inspired by nature and how we design our world and how we interact with others. And the biggest thing about biomimicry uh, that has affected my personal life is, you know, seeing yourself as part of a greater ecosystem and what it means to be a, lar- a part of a larger community. And so that translates in so many ways. You know, you can think of your college campus as an ecosystem. You know, you have your different departments, you have your subcommittees, you have your little communities, your different niches, but overall it comes together and it functions together and it functions best when there's kind of a crossover in one department helps another department, or it, it's, it's really that experience of working with people different from yourself. And talking about biomimicry and ecosystem of education and kind of leveraging the internet, one example of the hub is that, you know, Ella had mentioned we're doing a K through 12 education program. That's something that kind of already existed, but here we are, we're connecting college level students with, elementary and high school students, that's that's a different form of peer-to-peer mentoring that kind of wasn't really available before to so many students. But now with Zoom and being online, uh, it's become a lot easier to kind of build that program. Mm-hmm. And kind of speaking to my understanding, like how I think about education, like coming into Columbia, I was terrified of speaking. I hated, I thought I hated the humanities. I could not I was very like, I want to study chemistry. I want to do this and that. I did not, I was not excited for the extensive core curriculum that Columbia has it, that you have to go through reading so many books, doing so many things, taking so many languages. But um, I think Izzy can also speak to this is that in my experience at university so far, I have learned, I have gone through very different classes and learned similar things in all of them and been told about the same things. Like last year, my psych class, I was learning about something that I later saw in my chemistry class that later was brought up in my literature humanities class. And I think this really speaks to how great Columbia has been in fostering this environment where students can think intersectionally. And I think this really applies to sustainable development. And without one of the, why I really want this SG students program to really expand across the United States is because again, as I said, like I was very single-minded in what I want to study. And I thought chemistry and science were entirely separated from the humanities, entirely separated from the econ and politics, but they're all interconnected as I've learned studying sustainable development. And I think it's so important to early on 
foster these conversations and foster these environments where students understand how all these different subjects intersect. I think when we grow up, we learn history, we learn English, we learn science and math. And that's kind of like the four things everyone has their color-coded photos. Like it's very like ingrained in all of our minds. Like what we're learning is separate from one another. But in college that has really shifted for me. And I, that's one of the things that I love so much about the university I go to is that it's created this thinking for me. But that doesn't exist everywhere. And I think I'm in such a privileged place where I can be studying sustainable development and not just existing in the world. And I think that that's something I really want to emphasize going forward with the hub is finding ways that we can expand this breadth of intersectional thinking and kind of bring this education to a more pressing standpoint. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with Ella. I think it's one thing to learn about sustainable development in a classroom versus experience it in your life and what it means to, you know, the most vulnerable communities for, for different climate risks or natural disasters or, you know, economic hardships. They're also the communities that, you know, they're not in a classroom learning about these stuff. Like they're not figuring out like these very high level ways to build an intersectional education. They're just trying to figure out how to live and survive and, and, live their best lives with the conditions they're in. And, you know, that's not to say it's, it's part of the developing world or the developed world, you know, a lot of how you frame development conversations go factors into education and kind of how you, your perspective of how you view things. Like every community has its own kind of definition of what good development means or what it should look like. And so I think Ella's right in, in making that accessible and bringing that into the conversation more, which is very big. Like even here at Columbia, you know, like, Sometimes people call it the ivory tower because it's like the Ivy league, you know, it's, it's big fancy schools, you know, very formal education systems. But the truth is the experience of the students and their backgrounds where they're coming from is so diverse and, you know, really pulling all of these students and all these voices into the conversation is the biggest factor of kind of why we're here. Yeah. That's so awesome to hear that. And I, I mean, it's one thing that resonates when you're talking is that everyone does have their own background. They're coming from their own set of circumstances and, and everyone's fighting their own fight that you don't know about. So it's just always good to have empathy and, and be kind always. And I appreciate that. But then also even kind of growing up in certain contexts, it's like, hey, there's some frameworks where it's like, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, or you're going to be a, a dentist or, or something like that. But it doesn't have to be like that. And, I, and frankly, I love what you both have done of like something didn't exist. So you created it. And that's entrepreneurial in the sense of building something that you want to see in the world. And that's what I would encourage listeners to, to reach out to both of you and talk to as well as if something makes you upset or if something bothers you, then that's an opportunity actually to to build or create something. And I love the framework that you've done. And especially, and you can make one to dive into a second for like the, the, the engagement with the K to 12. And, you know, you talk about building these pathways for collaboration and these mentorship and these workshops and things like that. What does that look like moving forward? You know, maybe what are some programs that are in the works? And again, if, if people you know want to have a, a context on how they could get involved with the SDSN network within the expansion of the community and the, the education, um, what does that look like? Sure. So one really big project moving forward that we're excited about and I kind of had this idea within the SGS and youth community, again, you know, what it means to be part of a network and really strengthen that, that connection. SGS and youth has a bunch of different initiatives for sustainable development at all different levels of education from, you know, elementary to high school, university and beyond with entrepreneurs and professionals actually making solutions. 
So one program is called the Local Pathways Fellowship. And these guys are called Stubborn Urban Optimists because they're working on solutions for problems facing cities and urban environments. So we kind of are matching up. We're sourcing where in SDSNU, these local pathways fellows are in cities that align with where our university hubs are. So actually here in New York City, even at our school specifically, which is a really great coincidence, we have a local pathways fellow who's working on, you know, uh, responsible consumption and sustainable fashion. And so we're connecting with her as part of the student hub for, for mentorship, how we can learn from her perspectives and her experiences, her trajectory in kind of building a new area, but also how we can help her and how we can, you know, work with her on different research or different aspects of community outreach. So it's, it's both like top down and grassroots really kind of coming together. That's awesome. And uh, obviously just even just getting different aspects of the city from different urbanites to different rural people. And to the point you made, uh, one of the first points you made is he about just the, the local geographical context. I mean, that's the most important thing with some, a lot of the social impact work that I've done where often we want to take a, it's a kind of a defined solution, which is a square peg and try and jam it down in a circle hole. And it just doesn't work like that. So, I mean, getting all these different aspects of communities, local, international, rural, urban, is so important because it's the SDGs are an amazing framework, but each SDGs needs to be applied for every local community, every state community, every national community. So Definitely. And one thing I kind of want to just like emphasize that I've really experienced and kind of goes along with how we've approached our framework is that being comfortable, being uncomfortable is so pertinent and so important to kind of developing this framework and understanding of the SDGs and how we kind of go about bringing solutions in. And one thing has really been effective in kind of understanding how we can get students to kind of take this action is how we create kind of incentives. So one great thing about the SDG students program is that it has this SDG certificate, which is kind of a pretty big incentive for students to stay as engaged and active in the hub as possible. The certificate is signed by the former Secretary General of the UN, um, Ban Ki-moon, and it pretty much gives the framework of different educational action and engagement things that each student has to do in order to achieve the certificate. Once they do, it's a very big thing on their resume, et cetera. It's, it's a really great thing that looks good, honestly, which is something that you know, honestly, like students are looking for, especially in a very competitive college environment where the job market is a very big thing that exists and is very um, stressful. So with the certificate, what we wanted to do at the university at Columbia is figure out ways that we can align external factors and groups and with the certificate and align our events with things that students can do um, to create continue fostering these relationships with entities on campus. So one thing that we um, want to do is with the certificate, one thing you have to do is write an op-ed, right? And this is not necessarily something that a student will be incredibly motivated to do. So what we thought is there's a sustainable development journal on campus called Consilience. And one thing that we want to do is allow students to, once they write these op-eds in order to complete the certificate, they can submit these op-eds to Constilliance, the Sustainable Development Journal, to potentially get published. And we think that fostering these kind of intersectional activities with other groups on campus that have like strong motivations for students to do is a really great way to keep students engaged and have them, again, build in this framework with whatever they're passionate about into how we can align it with the hub's goals. I love that. And just the the getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is, is so well said because the, even you talked about from maybe not 
enjoying to speak in front of people or you know be as much of a people person but look at here you here now leading and mentoring all the stuff so so good on you for that so one kind of two questions i want to ask both of you to, to kind of round it up here is, is i asked this to everyone i don't know if i prefaced this to you before but within the context of everything we've talked about and the sdgs as a lens here in the point what is one thing that you are excited about and what is something that keeps you up at night and you're absolutely terrified about? And you can start either way and either one can start, but I uh, would love to know your thoughts on that. That's a tough one. One thing I'm excited about kind of, again, we've kind of already mentioned this, but it really how excited and like ready our community is to take action, to really push forward the um, structure of the SDGs and just sustainable development. I'm learning about the SDGs right now. And I think three of my classes and only two of them are, based, um, I guess, straightforwardly in sustainable development. And I think that, again, if I speak to the, we had 40 members at our first meeting, right? And I think maybe 10 of them were sustainable development majors. We had history majors, Russian majors, film majors, art, music, uh, a bunch of econ, poli side. There's an incredible, incredibly large group of diverse interests in kind of the framework of the SDGs. And I think that gives us a really great opportunity to go forward. And really Columbia does have a very big impact in the world. It has connections to the UN. It has connections to very large entities. And I think that this engagement from students as well as engagement from both faculty and grad, the huge graduate population at Columbia is something that I'm really excited about. Cause I think we have a huge space to really make a large change both at Columbia and in the New York city area and across the country. Love it. So need something that you're terrified about or keeps you up at night and, and Ella or in the Izzy, feel free to chime in with either of your thoughts on that. Maybe I can jump in. I definitely have something to say for something that keeps me up at night, um, but maybe I can start with what I'm excited about. I think there's just been a really, you know, I felt like I was on my own doing this a lot of my, my freshman year and this summer, you know, being at school, but then being at home in a room, kind of just working from my computer and feeling very isolated from any impact that I was potentially having. So coming back and seeing, you know, 40 students pop up on a Zoom call, there's clearly a desire from students. Like they're taking it upon themselves. They recognize that this is a necessary change in their education that needs to happen. And so finding this community has been so exciting and heartwarming for me. Another thing, you know, you're seeing systemic change in universities as well. You know, I'm working with administration here to create a sustainable literacy program for all students of the university. And we're doing that in conjunction and, you know, speaking with other universities in the United States. So again, you see this collaboration on a larger scale. And then maybe should I, should I go into what keeps me up at night? Yes, or I'll, I yes, let please. Go. Oh my gosh. So I think with constantly being uncomfortable, are the uncertainties that face us, you know, the complexities of kind of the challenges that you see on the news that you experience, the, the questions that come from being a student, like, what do you passion about? What do you want to study? For me, it's how can I best contribute to the well-being of others and how can I best make an impact, finding where I fit in here and feeling like the path that I want to take doesn't really quite exist yet. Uh, that, that's a huge uncertainty for me. But I think knowing that, you know, I don't have the answers but I'm comfortable having conversations about the different ways to get there. You know, whether you, even if you take, for example, like taking a human centered approach to sustainable development, you know, well-being, what it means to live in a good society that, that, that is, is equitable and just, 
or if it's more environmental centric, like how can we protect our oceans and, and stop carbon emissions? Uh, these questions about the ethics of sustainable development are really important and honestly very relevant to a personal lens of education here because what you do will impact others. What others do shapes what you know. And I think just, you know, there's such an urgency here to take action and there's such a need for change in so many different levels in so many different areas. That is what keeps me up at night, but I'm excited to tackle that. Like I wake up feeling motivated. I definitely, I can, I definitely mirror those feelings. Um, it's definitely been an interesting um, experience kind of the more that I learn about sustainability, the more I learn about all the issues that kind of surround the 17 SDGs, the more kind of dread that I feel in a way, but I've kind of used that dread to fuel my motivation for the work I'm doing. And kind of just frame how I want to, as again, like Izzy said, it's kind of hard to figure out sustainable development is such a vague topic and majoring in it is kind of like, like I know people who are pre-med, I know people who are pre-law on sustainable development. Like it's such a vague kind of area. And I think there's both benefits and negatives to that. But one thing also that I kind of want to speak to is I, I've, I've talked to Kevin about this in the past, but kind of the, how do we grapple between individual action and action that needs to occur on a political and mass and very large economic scale. I'd briefly talked about this in terms of sustainable fashion. I think for instance, the conversations that we have between, Oh, like, should I, like what's worse? Like not buying, like buying this shirt or like this company doing this. Like, I don't think there are clear answers to this. And I think that, this like incredibly aggressive discourse that I've seen very recently surrounding both individual, like whether it's better to have individual action or massive action on a large scale is really hard for me to kind of deal with because I think obviously like individual action is good, but the way that we contribute to these conversations, I think can be quite negative. And I, one of the things I really want to do with this is help students, especially that have such kind of, a large impact in community in our community kind of understand how we can both be environmental stewards ourselves individually and how we can also contribute to making changes on a very large scale. I love that Ella and I couldn't agree more in terms of just looking at how do we go about addressing the issue. I mean, there's the, the, the community and the education is, is step one, but then the action it's, yeah, what can I do as an individual consumer? How can I influence brands and, and corporations? I mean, companies hate them or love them. They're a significant part of our problem and solution moving forward. How do we get them to help align and push policy from, from a government perspective? And then how do we work sustainably with the whole public private partnerships and, and different aspects of nonprofits? And there's so many stakeholders that need to be involved with this. And I think often we're looking for a simple solution or we're looking for a simple answer to the cause of the problem. But the matter of fact is it's not. We're talking about hundreds of years of history and culture. And I'm a human geography major and I just love the dynamic of people, space, time, place, all layered on top of each other. And it's it's not just, here's your answer. Like it's complicated, but that's fine. So we need to, and my answer, you know, kind of my response to you, Ella, would be, you know, we need to do all of it. And we all need to do it faster and more, you know, immediately. So I appreciate that context. And, and uh, Izzy, was, wasn't sure if you wanted to add something else there. Yeah, I got really excited when you were talking there because I, I definitely feel the same way. You know, falling under SDG 17, partnerships for the goals, you know, learning how to work between these different sectors and encourage collaboration between them to kind of align all of these actions to like the urgency that, that you're mentioning and that we're all seeing. Part of what universities 
can do here and kind of what a lot of students have been putting pressure on their universities for throughout like kind of quarantine and the pandemic, these issues have been highlighted more is kind of like what it means to have like a hidden curriculum at a school. So it's not just what you're learning. It's kind of the context of, of what it's framed. You know, you, you have to take that bigger lens focus. Like you have to like kind of zoom out from the screen and kind of look around and see, okay, you know, for in the context of Columbia, like what are the, what are the campus spaces look like? You know, we're in New York city. Do we have any green spaces? What does it mean for a local middle school to kind of, like exist in an urban space, but not and learn about maybe whether you get as climate action or environmental knowledge in the curriculum, but then, you know, they're not really existing that or experiencing that in real world. You know, that's something so small, but that translates directly into how people carry this with them in their lives, what their choices will be as a consumer, but also how they'll vote. And specifically in the United States, you know, we've seen the push with this past election, you know, voting has been the main way to kind of express yourself with um, your your politicians and the people leading, you know, policy changes. But it's also just been people protesting in the streets and these alternative forms of kind of expressing yourself. I mean, it's been really, really interesting to kind of see the different ways that people through time and space have kind of pushed and pulled against how these partnerships form or maybe how they're not working. I love that. And I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't endorse any type of rioting or protest and any of those things, but you know, people and you've seen people get upset. You know, people have kind of maybe looked at certain things about the status quo around the world and they're unhappy. And I again don't endorse any sort of violence things, but but protesting is important. You know, peaceful protesting to show that there is an issue is something that is important for governments and businesses to know to express that people are not okay with certain aspects of status quo. And I really, the phrase I hate the most is when people say, oh, it's always been that way. And I think about, and I work in my day job within the fire service and it's like, it's always been a way that you always is is actually only 50 years of how you've been doing it. Like that doesn't mean forever. And, And so I think that changing that context of it, we're not just doing it because it's always been that way, but actually thinking about, well, this isn't the right way. We should here's a holistic plan solution on how we should change our actions and and do something differently moving forward so we can create a more equitable, sustainable, and and fruitful world for not just the elite, but making it sustainable and and accessible for for people A to Z, one to a thousand everywhere across the board. So yeah, just just throwing that throwing that final bomb there. I wasn't sure if you guys had any any final comments on that, but uh, that's that's me here at the end of the podcast rambling. (laughs) No, I think yeah, it just comes back to like having these conversations about the bigger questions about what development actually means and what sustainability looks like in different places. You know, like we have the UN, you know, putting out all these resolutions and kind of goals. Yet still, the countries must like they have to determine their own contributions for different climate actions like talk about like the Paris Accords like you know it can't just come from policy there has to be this you know from the people as well this motivation that countries recognize and then it has to influence kind of the private sector markets and you know it's very complicated and you don't know where to begin and I think that's kind of what Ella is talking about being uncomfortable a lot of the times also what I've kind of realized is like the social and emotional aspects of learning are just like so important in fostering these conversations and fostering kind of this understanding of how we need to go forward in a much different fashion than we do now. Like just thinking about 
I remember my mom always telling me that she really liked science until she had this one terrible science teacher that ruined science for her. And for me personally, I really got interested in clean energy when I, my middle school had this like area where there were solar panels. I got to learn about them one day, like that fostered where I now want to go with my career. And I just think that like understanding kind of like the real impacts that these things have on people and kind of like the emotional ways that we respond to these issues is so important in going forward and really like pushing this framework of sustainability on like a much massive and much larger scale. I think that understanding education from again, what I mentioned earlier about that very like strict framework of like, what is science? What is math? What is, what are humanities? Like it's not going to work going forward and kind of doing, and that's what we really want to do with this hub. Love that. And, and one, one thing that you, when you're talking there is, is like, let's say Paris Accord or, or a policy, like in the end of the day, like a policy is, is words on paper, you know, like it really can mean nothing unless it's actually enforced. And two books I was, when you were talking, I reference offense one, it's logic of collection action, public goods and the theory of groups. And the other one that I love a lot, soft power. And both of them, you know, soft power particularly is thinking about how do you get people to do stuff? either with a carrot or a stick, you know, incentives or punishments. And it's granted, you know, we don't want to go into some totalitarian Orwellian type society, but people respond to incentives. And I, I love the idea of trying to find those ways, you know, and people listening and thinking about what are ways to get people to do stuff. And it's like, you know, obviously people are motivated by money, but other things too, I think it's a big thing of what, I would endorse and, and hope to see in some aspects of education and action in, in the future. Right. So maybe I can just add really quickly, you know, there is a debate between whether you take a focus on the environment or the people and sustainable development. But really, for me, the most effective way to engage other people on, on these greater goals is through making it personal, you know, helping people see how, you know, a food system in another country will impact them or kind of how, like giving them very specific case studies even of how these larger theories actually translate into a real experience for people. And it goes back to, you know, it's, it's really great to kind of see, you know, where I started at a nature center talking about coral reefs and puffer fish and kind of, I remember teaching this little girl who her family didn't speak English and she was at the nature center to go visit the sea turtles. And thankfully, I'm from Florida, so I, I know how to speak Spanish. And so I was able to communicate with this family in a language they understood about a sea turtle. And suddenly from there, you know, we just had this bond and connection, you know, smiles all around. They understood this environment in a way that they had never had access to before. And I think, you know, seeing that just scaled up in so many different ways at a university level and at a global level through SDS and youth has just really brought it home that communication and that human connection is the biggest thing that we need here. I love that. And I think that's a big thing that we're trying to do at SDG Talks, and I'm sure you as well, is granted we're speaking in English right now, and I'm I can only I can really only speak one language fluently and I still can't even speak English that well. Having said that, I think it's important to continue to make education relevant contextual education available in every single country and every single language. And it's not just accessible to people that know English. You know, you also talk about turtles. I just got one of these dongle things on my phone, the little turtle thing there, repping, repping the life below water. But I, I think that that's a big point that we want to encourage people to think about of how to make all these resources and education accessible, not just to necessarily people that speak English or people that have the internet, but what are creative ways to make education accessible to all or resources that can empower all the SDGs available to all? 
Definitely. And I think one thing that's interesting is that the SG students program, one thing to be a coordinator is that you have to be able to like English, you have to be completely fluent in it. And for me, I'm not, as I get like you, I'm not fluent in any other language and all these students that I'm talking to around the world can speak multiple languages. And a lot of issues that I've talked to students, for instance, in my one hub group is that other students at their universities don't speak English fluently. And because of this, they cannot participate in a lot of activities that SDG, SDSN program has. And this was pretty shocking for me because I'm obviously an American school. No one has any issues with that. But these students at these universities cannot participate in really awesome events. And I definitely agree with you on that is really finding ways that we can just continue to expand this breadth of knowledge and opportunities for students around the world and for people around the world, no matter what circumstances they're in. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and I love this. This is a, this is actually going to end up being one of our longer SDG talks podcasts. They're almost creeping up on an hour here, which is epic. Uh, you know, when when a, when a freight train's going, you can't stop it. You just got to let it roll. But with with kind of one final thought, I asked you what you're excited about and and terrified about. But just one kind of closing thought from both of you of inspiration, a note of gloom and doom, or a note of kind of anything. What's kind of what one final thought you want people to leave here with today? I think I, I, again, I just kind of want to emphasize the point that people are ready to take this action and are engaged in these subjects and do want to think in this way. It's just giving students and giving people the opportunity to take these challenges and take these risks and not be afraid to fail and combine their interests in ways they've never thought of is just so key. And I think we're so privileged at Columbia to have those opportunities to do so in such an easy way. And I think that just... I like for me, I really want this hub program to spread across the country. I think the United States is a huge place in the world to really have a lot of hubs and have a lot of great things come out of it. But just creating this space where young people are excited to take these risks and take these challenges is just so key going forward. I think if you're a student listening to this podcast and maybe you're not sure what you're studying or you're questioning what you're studying and what you want to do with that area and kind of what your background is, I think the biggest thing here, you know, realizing that you can learn so much not in the classroom and it's kind of what you learn in between your classes, how you build the connections between them, but more importantly, the conversations that you'll have as a student. You know, I really encourage people to reach out and kind of explore what people are doing who are three, five, 10 or 20 years ahead of them and kind of what exists out there because you can really learn so much from people who have already like have the same difficulties or concerns as you, you know, I started getting more involved with sustainable development just by emailing, you know, cold emailing and cold calling a bunch of professors at my school and figuring out what they're doing. And, you know, saying, hi, I think what you're doing is really awesome. Can you just talk more about it? You know, I've had really interesting conversations that way in so many different areas. And I think, you know, I used to have to take a taxi to go see someone, but now online, I just I shoot them an email, maybe we hop on a Zoom call for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Like it's really easy now. And I'd say take advantage of that. Well said, both of you. And, and I couldn't agree more. Sometimes that you'd be surprised if you cold email 10 people and, and you make it contextual and it's not like a spam email, you're going to be surprised at how many people respond to you. And so I encourage you, don't be afraid to, to have someone slam the door in your face, you know, figuratively, don't be afraid to not get responded to and say, Oh, I sent five emails and got no responses. Send five more, you know, keep hustling, keep pushing in and don't be afraid to get comfortable and don't be afraid of failure. So Ella and Izzy, you both are awesome change makers and just want to say on behalf of the SDG Talks community, the SDSN youth community, and just the 
unleash and UN community around the world. Bravo, keep it up. And I, I really look forward to staying in touch and seeing what happens next with uh, all the projects that you're working on. Thank you so much for having us. Of course. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. It's always great to have these conversations. Definitely. Great. Awesome. Take care. Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in United Nations community. The goal of the SDG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.